Hey, New Hope, how in the world are you? So glad that you are joining us today for Church Online as we have moved uh, the entire movement from church on site to church online. Uh, I hope and pray that you have been enjoying the daily devotions that I've been sending you and dropping in your inbox. If you are not getting those, uh, you're not getting communications from the church, just let us know or go to our church website, newhopechurch.org, and down at the bottom right-hand side, you can click on Connect and you can get registered for that. Hey, speaking of daily stuff, uh, this coming week, uh, we are going to be delivering a video teaching from our teaching pastor, Mike Bro. And uh, Mike Bro shot a series on Philippians, and uh, we're going to be dropping out a message each week, probably around Wednesday, um, to the community. So I don't know about y'all, but I am excited about that. Today, we are beginning a brand new series titled, No Place Like Home. Everybody say, No Place Like Home. We've all been in that uh, situation where you've been out of town, maybe for work or maybe on vacation, and you land at the airport or you pull into your driveway, and we've all tended to say there's no place like home. And it's typically a phrase of admiration and fondness and excitement, and here we are now stuck at home, uh, but I thought it would be a great a message series title for us to just let God speak to us about how we live at home and how we're going to make it through a season like this. Um, let's pray before we get into the word and uh, then we're gonna jump right in. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles at home on set here with me to Philippians chapter one, but let's pray first. Father, we love you, we thank you for this opportunity. God, we praise you that, that we can redeem technology and that you can use it to continue to bless and encourage and grow your church. Father, we pray against COVID-19. I know so many of us have prayed against that, Lord. We're just going to continue to ask that you work through the medical field or you just outright perform a miracle. God, we know you are able, but whatever means you go about it, Father God, we pray that you would bring an end to it. Father, I wanna thank you that as far as we can tell throughout the New Hope movement, you have protected every New Hoper to this point in time. Father, we pray a hedge of protection around our church family, and we thank you for how you have been watching over your people. Lord, we ask that you redeem this season for our good and your glory, and we thank you for this day and this opportunity to study your word, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before we get into the word today, I want to talk to you about these men of God that I have around me. And uh, these are some great leaders who love God and serve our church. I'm talking about Mike Stamps, who is the Hillsboro campus pastor. I'm talking about Keith Coco Barreto, who is the campus pastor at Wake Forest. Justin Jenkins, the newest, oh, we might not should do that. Hey, it's all good. The newest worship pastor uh, on our team who serves out of Garner, North Carolina. We've got Derek Mole, who is the campus pastor at Garner, along with Drew, who is now 
uh, associate campus pastor over there. We love that guy. Glad he's on the team. We've got David Pruitt, the one and only social media guru. Uh, so as you folks see all the pictures and videos out there, he leads a team of people and they do a fantastic job getting our church out there. We've got Josh Conklin, who is the Samford campus pastor. And uh, we're just so glad you guys are here. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, some of you at home might be wondering, what in the world happened to the Columbia campus? You might have wondered, hey, didn't we have a Columbia campus? And now is a great time to let you know that the leadership of our church decided it was time to release that building back into the hands of those who gave it to us. We just concluded that the distance was a little hard to navigate. And so we've given that building back over, released it to some men and women of God there in Columbia, South Carolina, and we're praying for them and we're pulling for them. Uh, so like I said, here we are at home, stuck at home. Yep. How are you guys doing? <laughs> like, like how it kind of, it kind of was cool at first, wasn't it? And then that kind of wore off in a hurry. Um, Sean May goes to our church. Sean May was an incredible basketball player at the University of North Carolina. In fact, he was on the 2005 National Championship basketball team. He's a great guy, married to an awesome woman. They have some incredible kids. And um, I saw a video that Sean put out the other day, and I really appreciated it because he was just being like honest. He's like, these kids are not listening. He does these TikTok videos all the time and stuff. And he's like, man, I don't know if I can take it. He goes, I have figured out how to handle it. And uh, you're going to love this. This is exactly what Sean May did. You might decide to steal this and use it with your kids as well. Check it out. I'm tired of my kids. I want to listen. They want clean. So figure I punish them a different type of way. Isn't that great? I mean, here Sean May is bombing his kids with water balloons. Um, our kids, we did this a few weeks ago. I don't know if you guys know this. Like when I was a kid and you went to fill up your balloons with water, remember you had to take every little balloon yes. and put it over the, the spigot. Have you seen what they have now? Yes. They've got these things that you, you put on there and it fills up like 20 or 30 balloons at the same time. It's awesome. So uh, we had some fun at our house. Sean, you're a great dad. Guys, I encourage you to do that. If you're at home, I encourage you to do that. Listen, just don't, just don't do the water balloons inside the house, okay? Make sure you are outside. But um, again, I, I don't know how you guys are doing, but um, last week, uh, I hit I hit a wall, and I, I got up one morning, and here's what I said. I just thought to myself, I'm over it. Mm -hmm. I'm just so 
over it. Have you, ever, have you ever said that before about anything like, you know, you're just exasperated, you're done, and you're just fed up, and you've had enough, and you're over it? And, and that's where I was last week. Um, and I don't know if you've been saying that lately. Maybe you're doing better than I was uh, last week. I'm doing better this week, but man, I just, I hit a bad spot. And um, if you haven't been able to say that, I want to just let you know, it's therapeutic. It's, it's, so I want to give you a chance to maybe just say, I'm over it, if you're over it. So like, like when I say something, if, if you agree that at times you're over it, just, just say over it. Here, here's the first one. Coronavirus. Oh. <laughs> uh, news media, which is all about these days, the coronavirus. Over it, right? Here's one, not being able to eat out at a restaurant. Oh. Are all of y'all, like for me, man, I... I don't know why, but like I want to eat in a restaurant. Nothing against Amy Lynn's cooking because Amy Lynn can cook, but I, I feel like I'm backpedaling now, baby. I am backpedaling now. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I miss eating in a restaurant. Here's one, politics in an election year, and it's only April 26. Oh. <laughs> Man, we're, we're fed up, which brings us to an interesting idea. Check it out. You'll see this in your, in your notes. This is what I say in my notes. Just because you're over something doesn't mean you don't have to get through it. Just because you're over something doesn't mean you don't have to get through it. You might be over anxiety or fear or heartache or depression or addiction or unemployment, or you might be single and you just might be so over the dating scene, right? Or marriage struggles or the pile of bills. You might be over it, but you still got to get through it. Now check this out. This is really important. You'll see this on the, on the screen as well. Without God, over it is a cry of exasperation. But with God, it's a cry of desperation. Let me say that again. Without God, when God's not in the equation of your life, over it is a cry of exasperation. But with God, it's a cry of desperation. It's crying out to God, God, I need your help. God, I can't keep going on my own. Now watch this. When we come to God and we say, I'm over it, you know what God's response is? I'm all over it. Come on now. Come on. That, that, that's good right there. Wait, come on. Let me say it again. When we come to God and we say, I'm over it, and it's actually a faithful cry of desperation, God's response is, I'm all over it. And let me tell you, that makes all the difference in the world. Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18. Check it out. That means that God is attracted to the desperate. Have you ever thought about this before? As human beings, we don't like desperate. And we're not attracted to desperate. I was, date, I was dating a girl one time in high school, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. This, seriously, I was dating. This is after I became a Christian, after I, I, I was a high school dropout. Sorry if you didn't know that. But I accepted Christ. I got, I got back into school. And one of the first few girls that I started dating, um, on the second date, 
she told me, because I was a Christian, I was fired up for Jesus, so I was only dating Christian girls. On the second date, she told me, God told me we're going to get married. And I ran. <laughs> I smelled desperation, and I ran, right? Like, like we, <laughs> I don't know, it might have worked out well. I don't know, but let me tell you something, I wasn't about to even give it a shot. We don't like desperation. But God is attracted to desperation. God draws near to desperation. When we cry out for help, the word of the Lord says God hears our cries. He's not not like I was. He doesn't stiff arm. He doesn't run away from desperation. When we turn to God in crisis, God doesn't say, hey, where were you when things were good? Come on now. He doesn't say, why are you coming up to me now? No, no, no. God is actually attracted to our desperation. And it's a perfect reason for us, while we are at home, many of us stuck at home, going crazy at home, it's an invitation to come to God in our desperateness. In this series, No Place Like Home, We want to give you some truths and some tools to help you navigate being at home. And we don't know how much longer we're going to be stuck at home. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I am praying this is the last message series we have to do exclusively online. Can I get an amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but like, I am missing you, New Hope. I am so missing you. But while we're at home, I'm going to try to give us some tools that will help us get through this season. The Bible is filled with story after story of God's faithfulness. The overarching narrative in the scriptures is that God is with us through it all. Even when we're over it and we want it to come to an end and it doesn't come to an end, God is still faithful for the duration. Let me give you a few examples. Just let your mind go through scripture. Uh, God was with Abraham and Sarah, was he not? Through infertility, and he gave them Isaac. God was with Joseph through the pit and the prison. And what happened? Joseph ended up having a place in the palace. God was with Jacob through estranged relationship with Esau and gave restoration. God was with Israel through slavery, right? the Red Sea, wilderness, through the fire, and gave them salvation. God was with Jesus, come on, through the cross, which we just got finished celebrating a few weeks ago and gave him a resurrection. God doesn't always make a way over it, but listen to me, God always has, and God always will make a way through it. Praise his Holy name. And timing, timing is where it gets hard, man. And I I said this last week and I heard a lot of comments about, it's like, I don't know if you're good with patience, but I'm not a very patient person. And so even when I pray for patience, it's like, Lord, please grant me patience, but hurry up, right? And, And so, but the timing is where this really gets hard. Check this out. On those same biblical examples that we just went through, it took 25 years before Abraham and Sarah were pregnant. 
25 years. 22 years before Joseph's crazy dream was fulfilled. 40 years before Esau and Jacob were restored. 40 years in the wilderness for Israel. 15 years between David anointed and when he became king. Three days between the crucifixion and the resurrection. Here's the key. Come on now. We don't get to choose how long our through it is. The weight is beyond our control. But the one thing that we do get to choose, don't miss this, is while we wait, what do we do with our minds? Where do we put our minds? That's ultimate freedom when you stop and think about it. As human beings, regardless of the situation, regardless of what we are over and how long it has taken to get through it, we can control what we do with our minds. And so in Philippians 1, 1 through 6, I'm just going to give us two big fundamental principles that will help us today. And I don't know if you're real familiar with Philippians. It's in the New Testament. Just open it up in the middle, take a right, get into Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, going into the New Testament, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. It's in that area. If you just open up to Philippians chapter 1, 1 through 6, we're going to go through these foundational truths. And and here's the first one. Your it, whatever it is that you're like over. Remember, we talked about the things that were just over. COVID 19 is at the top of the list, I know. But whatever your it is, is not your identity. That's the fundamental truth. I put it like this in my notes Your it is not your identity. Let me, let me just unpack that. Your primary problem is not your primary identity. We have a tendency to confuse our problem with our identity, and we get clouded on this. What you're going through does not define you. Who you are is bigger than your cancer. Who you are is bigger than your debt, bigger than your divorce, bigger than your depression. It's bigger than your addiction, bigger than your heartache, bigger than your pain. And it's so much bigger than an invisible virus that all of us can't stand right now. Your identity is bigger than that. Those are all significant human experiences, but they are not your identity. The enemy wants you to associate yourself so closely with your failures or what you're going through. God wants you to actually associate your identity with who he says you are in Christ. This is so, so important. I took my kids to the Lion King. Uh, This has been a while ago now, the new one. I don't know if you've seen it. Have y'all seen the new Lion King? It's all right. It's all right. That's all it is. It's just all right. Um, And maybe it's because the other one, the animated one back in the day, was so powerful and meaningful. I was so excited, man. I took my kids to the new Lion King, and I was kind of of disappointed. Um, But but anyway, there there was this moment in the movie that I I just was thinking about the other day. Um, I got a little emotional in the movie. Now, some some of you young people won't relate, but but back in the day, man, old school animated Lion King, 
It was powerful. And, and I'd forgotten about this scene. So I'm sitting there, and there's nothing worse than getting a little emotional in front of kids eating popcorn and Skittles. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was trying to hide it. But it, it's, it's that scene. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't when Mufasa died. It, it wasn't when Simba thought he killed him. It was later. It was when Simba came across, you remember that little monkey dude, Rafiki? Remember him? It was when Simba came across Rafiki in the woods and Simba had lost his way for many years because of the shame and because he had stumbled and and struggled and he comes across Rafiki and Simba says, quit following me. Who are you? And Rafiki says, the question is, who are you? Simba says, I think you're confused. Rafiki says, I'm not the one who is confused. You don't even know who you are. Then he takes him, remember? He takes him to the river and he shows him a reflection of himself. And Simba, for the first time in a long time, sees his reflection and that he looks like his father. Come on. And and it reminded me in that moment of the power of identity. See, what some of us need to do is get taken down to a river. And we need to see a reflection of ourselves and not associate that reflection with a heartache or being homebound or COVID-19, but being adopted by the most high God and being a born again Christian. This, this is how Paul says it. Paul, Philippians 1, 1 and 2, the word of the Lord says this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people. If you got your Bibles, underline this next phrase. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, most of the letters, the, the, the epistles anyway, in ancient Rome were written with a threefold salutation. It was the author identifying himself, the recipient, and the greeting. And in Paul's cases, it was almost always about identity. Paul is saying, this is who I am. I am a servant of Christ. I'm here with Timmy, (laughs) and we are bond servants. We are here to serve. A bond servant was someone who was set free as a servant or a slave, but they made the choice under their own volition to come back and surrender their life in service. Paul says, that's who I am. My identity is not wrapped up in my circumstance. Now, guys, where was Paul, remember? Paul was in prison. He was facing execution. He He had faced all kinds of persecution. And Paul gets his identity right when he says, I am here to serve. I am here to serve Christ and Christ alone. Come on, could you just imagine how that would change your day if you lived out of that kind of identity? When you go back to school or work 
or before you log on to that Zoom meeting, glory to God? What if you did it out of the posture and the position and the identity that we are servants of God? We are in Christ, so we are service. Then, then Paul reminds them who they are. Did you, did you catch this? He's like, you're God's holy people in Christ. You are in Christ. Over 160 times in Paul's letters, he uses this phrase, in Christ. This was key for Paul. Therefore, it's key for our theological understanding. To be in Christ means we are united with Jesus. You are one with Jesus. You are hidden in Christ. And once you put your trust in Jesus, listen, there is this, there is this great exchange that takes place. Josh, I think Hillsong had, a, had an album out, didn't they? The Great Exchange. That was, beautiful. The Beautiful Exchange. That's what they were getting at. There's this exchange that takes place, come on, where he takes my sin, Justin. He takes my sin and he gives me the righteousness of Christ. That means when I face judgment one day and God looks at me, he doesn't see me and he doesn't see my sin. He sees his son. <laughs> Come on, that is where identity kicks in. That's why Paul would often say grace and peace. Grace and peace. This is a formula you see throughout the New Testament. Grace and peace. We, ne we never see peace and grace because you can search your entire life for peace, particularly the peace of God, and you'll never find it until you first find his grace. So you first live out of this identity that you are in Christ. Your sins have been forgiven. You have been redeemed. Your eternity is secure. Then and only then can you have peace. Because I think this is so important. The peace of knowing that your past is forgiven. That God has taken away your guilt, your shame, your regret and has given you. Come on the righteousness of Christ deep in your soul. Here's the second foundational truth that we'll wrap up with today. Your life is God's project, not yours. Your life is God's project, not yours. Now, if you're anything like me, if you're like a task A, take life by the horns, get her done kind of person, this is a hard one for you, man. This, I was preaching to myself this week. This is, this is something I've had to continue to relinquish to God and realize that my life is God's project. It's not mine. And you might say, where do you get that? Go back to Philippians verse 3. Here's what the word says. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, just time out right there. That, that's not the part about the project. That's coming. I just, it just gives me a chance to say to New Hope, New Hope, I, I'm praying for you. This same idea that Paul felt in his spirit that he was in partnership with the church at Philippi and he prayed for them and he remembered them fondly with joy. 
This is what I find myself doing all the time these days, praying with joy for you. But look at number six, underline it, highlight it, circle it, star it, whatever the case may be. The word of the Lord says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it onto, what's that next word? Completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So check it out. Paul is thanking them for their partnership, but he's letting them know, listen, your life and ultimately what comes of your life is God's work, not yours. Now, I'm not saying we don't have any responsibility. It's a partnership in the same way we're in partnership together, New Hope. We're in partnership with God. And yes, we have choice. And yes, we have to take responsibilities of how we live our life and how we grow. But there is great power and freedom when we learn to live out of this identity of grace and peace, we learn to live out of this identity that ultimately at the end of the day, my life is God's project, not mine. That is an incredible, what it's saying to us guys is that what God starts, come on now, God's going to finish. (laughs) God will be faithful to bring your life unto completion. Because here's the deal. I love you enough to tell you this. You didn't start anything. You may be what you talking about, Pastor? I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I started it all. I did it all. I'm a self-made man. No, you are delusional. You didn't start. If you're a Christian, no, no, no. Everything you have is a gift from God. The very air we breathe right now is a gift from God. You didn't start anything. You didn't start yourself. Come on. God started you in your mother's womb. You didn't make your body. You didn't create your own gifts. Come on. You you didn't even convict yourself of sin. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you. You surely didn't bring about your salvation. God did it all. And what Paul is reminding us is that the same God who did all of that and has started a work in your life, he will bring it onto completion. This is so freeing and it's so good, again, for those of us who like to just take things and run with it and do it on our own. And before we realize it, we're living life and we're even trying to do this Christianity thing. And for those of us in ministry, we even try to do this ministry thing. And for long, if we're not careful, we'll look around and God ain't in it. God is the one who does it all. And when we're reminded of that and we lean on him and his strength, we can take great freedom in the fact that God is doing the work in us. I'm a project. Amen? A working project. A working, there was a little pause there, but that was good. A working progress. But the good news is I'm not the one working on me. God is working on me. And in the midst of a season like this, guys, when we're stuck at home, The question becomes, are we going to run towards God or away from God? Because there's only two two ways to go. Our relationship with God is a lot like our relationship with our spouses. There really isn't neutral. 
You're either moving towards intimacy with your spouse or you're moving towards isolation. You're either running towards God and moving towards intimacy with God or you're running away from God. And I already confessed earlier, guys, last week, I found myself just getting into a funk. I was so over it, right? But one of the reasons I was so over it and one of the reasons why I got in a funk is I found myself running away from God. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't even a conscious decision. It's just so easy in a season like this. And, and I found myself running away from God in, in desperation or exasperation. You can run away from him or towards him in either of those. But I was running away from him and, and getting ready to share with you today and thankfully realizing that, that God kind of knocked me upside the head a little bit and shook me a little bit last week and convicted me of my own sin and my own hard-headedness and my own stubbornness and my own tendency to run away from God. God brought me back and reminded me of, of what Paul said in Hebrews. And I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. I realize a lot of ink has been spilt by the scholars on whether Paul wrote Hebrews or not. I believe he did, by the way. I believe it's Pauline in its theology. It's Pauline in its Christology. It's Pauline in the vernacular that he uses. But that's besides the point. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. Listen to this passage of Scripture and think about, are you running away from God or are you running towards God? Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Time out right there for just a moment, guys. Hey, you might be sitting in your living room watching this all by yourself or outside or in a car, or you might be trying to do it with your family and it feels awkward and you feel all isolated. I just want to remind you, God's word reminds us we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Even while we're sitting here, guys, it's not just us. We are surrounded by thousands of new hopers. Great, great cloud of witnesses. And of course, Paul in Hebrews is also talking about those in heaven. We're surrounded by all these witnesses. We're not in this alone. So Paul says this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us what? Run with, what's that next word? Perseverance. perseverance. Circle that. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You run towards God in your desperation. Again, God doesn't stiff arm desperation like we tend to. God welcomes desperation. In fact, when we're desperate, God knows that we know he's all we got. There's power in that. So we fix our eyes on Jesus and we run towards God. Pat Summit, I'm a big Pat Summit fan. Uh, she used to talk about uh, uh, how she got through Alzheimer's and how she struggled. And I remember her saying, this was her mantra, left foot, right foot, breathe. <laughs> left foot, right foot, breathe. I love that. You know what that is? That's perseverance. 
I told you to circle that word. I was going to talk about it for just a moment. About 30 times in the New Testament, we see the word perseverance. Most of you know, if you've listened to me or you heard the sermon series, um, my favorite word is the word grit. That's what perseverance is. Perseverance is nothing more than grit over a long haul. And we need grit to make it through this season. There's, there's no denying. And, and many of us are asking God to remove it, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've been asking God to remove it as well. But what if, what if in asking God to move it, we're missing what God wants to do as he takes us through it? The word perseverance comes from two words, hupo and mino. Hupo and mino. Hupo means under. Mino means to remain. Under and to remain. Remember I told you earlier I was over it. We had some fun with that. The whole idea of over it. Well, guess what? When you actually do a word study on perseverance, it means to remain under something. Our tendency is to pray, God, remove it. And again, I'm praying that. I want this thing done. I'm over it. But maybe God is calling us to persevere. Maybe God's calling us to remain under this until he accomplishes his will through this. But here's what we know. God always makes a way. It's not to our timetable, but he always makes a way. And I'm with some worship pastors up here. I guess that's why we sing that song these days, what? The way maker. That's who God is. And if we're going to remain under it, we need to remember these two fundamental truths. Number one, your it is not your identity. It's not. You are a born-again child of the Most High God, and your life is hidden in Christ. That's key fundamental truth. Here's the second one. Your life is God's project, not your own. Hey, I love you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't click off. We're going to go back into that song, Tremble. Man, I love that song. But before we do, can I just pray for you? Father, I want to thank you. Thank you for your word, God. I don't know where we would be without it. And Father, I thank you that you speak to us in times like this. And I thank you, God, that many of us are in a position where we are more open to hearing you than we've ever been before. So Father, I thank you for these men of God who've gathered around today to study the word. Lord, we thank you for everybody who's in living rooms or kitchens or bedrooms or outside or wherever they might be, God, who's dialed into this experience. Father, we thank you. And we thank you, God, that that your word has spoken. Lord, I pray that these two fundamental truths would just just be sealed deep in their spirit, Father God, that they would be marked indelibly as they navigate this season. And Father, as we're talking about identity, I can't help but imagine that there are people out there who who have not yet experienced you. God, they 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 can't celebrate this identity because they've never actually received you. And if that's you out there and you're desiring a relationship with Almighty God and you desire this grace and peace in your life and you know that you need God to take your life on as a project because you've discovered you can't do it alone.
If that's you, I want to just give you an opportunity right now to just, to, to just close your eyes with me and pray a simple prayer of salvation. Just pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need your grace and I need your peace. I need you, please, to come into my life to forgive me of my sin, to unleash the Holy Spirit in my life so that you start to move mightily, that you let my life be a project of yours. Lord, I can't do it on my own. And so I need you. Come in. Come into my life today. Come into my life to stay. Help me live for you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me as a child of the Most High God. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, one of the ways in which we're going to start tracking those of you who accept Christ is we're going to use our phones. So if you just accepted Christ or rededicated your life to Christ in any kind of way, here's what I want you to do. Text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 59769. Again, SAVED to 59769. You'll get a prompt back. You can click on that link. Go to that website. There's resources there. There's a video from me talking to you about what do you do now that you've received the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, we want to see people get saved. That's REACH. But we also want to teach and release. So we want to help you grow in your faith. As we get ready to sing our final song, Tremble, which is a great song, right? At the name of Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. You silence fear. Incredible song. Don't go anywhere. But I want to thank you for your generosity and those of you who are giving online. And maybe you haven't. And maybe today is your day. Here's what you can do. Just text NH Movement to 77977. Again, NH for New Hope Movement to 77977. Figure up your tithe, click reoccurring giving, and be grateful and thankful that God is using us, come on, to spread his love, his grace, his peace around the world. Thank you for being with us today. Let's worship God and sing this song, Tremble Together.